We're in a series entitled Worth Sharing. Everybody say Worth Sharing. And we're talking about this gospel. And uh, we'll break that down a little bit in a moment. And we're talking about the salvation that results from the gospel. And we'll break that down a little bit as well. But I'm, I'm so thankful for those. Um, we're going to continue on this next week as well. Worth sharing. But let's just dive right in. I'll do a little bit of review. In Romans chapter 1, verse 16 and 17, Paul says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. For the Jew first and also for the Greek, for in it the righteousness that has to do with right standing with God is revealed from faith to faith as it is written, the just shall live by faith. And in this, we see that the gospel and and I've said this every week, but I want to get this across. The gospel is so powerful that it will bring salvation to you if you believe it. And the gospel, what, what, what does gospel mean? Good news, good news. And really what makes it good news is the bad news. And here's part of the good news. Jesus died. Jesus died because of every sin done to you. And he died for every sin done by you. And in our brokenness and we could not help ourselves and we had failed miserably and we we had sinned and were separated from God. God sent Jesus and Jesus came willingly and he was the sacrifice for us. And if we believe that all that he did for us and all that he spoke and all that he promised, if you believe that, that's the gospel. And if you will believe that, now follow this, this touches every part of your life. It touches your now, it touches your forever. How many of you need some now touch? You know, it's it's easy to say, well, the forever part, you know, we're we're really good as humans on putting things off. How many of you usually file your taxes, you know, week of, day of, night of, file the extension? Okay. And when you were in school, when did you do your reports? Except for the smart girls. Let me see the smart girls' hands always, you know, yeah, yeah. Anyway, that's a whole other thing. Good for you. Um, But what about the now? What about the now? And this gospel has to do with now and it has to do with forever. And it's so powerful if you will believe what Jesus has done. And he's, he's still alive and well and seated at the right hand of the Father and overseeing this great salvation for us. And if you believe the gospel, it's powerful enough to bring salvation to us. What is that salvation? Sometimes it's just a church word, a religious word. But salvation really means this. It means rescue. Rescue. He rescued you. And he rescued me and he rescued us essentially from this, from sin, from self and from Satan. He rescued us, but then he just didn't rescue us and leave us on the bank to dry out. He rescued us and then he connected us with the heavenly father. Y'all, this is good news. Okay. (laughs) He rescued us. That's awesome. And then he connected us with the heavenly father and then we're headed to heaven and here's, here's a part you'll like right now. And we have help on earth. Amen. We have help on earth. And that's what salvation is. And in a nutshell, is, is we've been rescued, connected to a heavenly father. We're headed to heaven and we have help here on earth. Can you say something this morning? Amen, something. All right. Now, 
That is worth finding. That is worth sharing. That is worth growing in. That is worth having in our life. We're to be partakers of that. We're to be consumers of that, if you will. But we're not just to be consumers. We are to be ambassadors. So we have this in our life, but we're also to share this in our life. And it is worth sharing. We need to spread this message to other people. And the number one most effective form of of evangelism or getting that message out is in these days, in our culture, in our times, the number one most effective form is relational invitational evangelism. And that's really easy to understand. Relational invitational. It's people that I know, people I'm connected with on some level or another, that I invite them, I invite them to church. You'd say, well, I think people should just, you know, directly evangelize people and get people saved. I do too. I do too. But I'm telling you that what is going on in our culture and in our day is people typically are not doing that as much. And so the number one most effective form that's taking place right now in the world and in our culture is this, is that through relational invitational evangelism is we invite someone to church. And in church, we gear that toward building up believers, but also welcoming new people, making it a, an open door for people to be able to hear the good news and receive that salvation. Are you following me this morning? But the gospel is also to be seen and heard. If you're just telling it and you're not living it, then what they see will block out what you, what you want them to hear. So it's very important that we give ourselves to this. That the gospel is to be both seen and heard. We're to grow in this salvation. There should be, as I've been calling it, some mounting evidence that there is a real salvation on the inside. It should be noticeable that something's going on on the inside of us. Okay, let me put it to you this way. If you had a friend and they kept talking about how they're going to the gym and they're working out and they're taking supplements and proteins and they're doing all this stuff. And they kept telling you about that and they kept telling you about that and they kept telling you about that. After a while, don't you think you should see something? Y'all hear me? Or you have this other friend and they're working on losing weight and they're talking about how they're eating right and they're doing this and they're cutting down, they're limiting their calories and they're careful of this and only good carbs and lots of protein and, and they're going through the whole deal. And they tell you about that month after month after month after month. Don't you think at some point you should see something? Well, in the same way, you know, hey, Jesus is in my life. I'm going to church and reading the Bible. You know, I've found this new kind of water. And then you, and you just blow up on people and you're all, you know, come undone at every little thing. And you're riding low and then you're riding high and then all those things in between. How many are going to know? It's like, you know, what? watch him. Be careful. Shouldn't, shouldn't they see something? Shouldn't there be something good that's coming out of our life? There should be mounting evidence that there's a real salvation. There should be mounting evidence, church, listen to me, that you've been rescued. That you're connected to a heavenly father. That you've got this awareness when this whole shooting match is over, I'm, I'm going to heaven. And in the meantime, I have help here on earth. That's salvation. And I think there should be mounting evidence of that in our lives. Now, Romans chapter 10, verse 13 through 15, reading this from the New Living Translation. It says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be what? Saved. What is saved? Well, they get this salvation. And at the risk of repeating again, I'm going to repeat to you again. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be able to be rescued, connected to a heavenly father, be headed to heaven and have some help on earth. Don't you want that for you? Wouldn't you want that for your friends? 
And let's read on here. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord would be saved. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is why the scriptures say how beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring good news. And so let's, let's just break this down just a little bit here. And again, the ultimate goal, and Jesus said, you must be born again. You must, you must be saved. And this is the goal, and this is that salvation. Everybody with me on this? And so how does this happen? Well, somebody calls on the name of the Lord. They, they call out to God. They reach, they reach out to God. Well, how are they going to call unless they what? Unless they believe. I got to tell you, first service did way better on this than you guys right here. Not trying to pit y'all against each other, but you know, who, anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Well, how are they going to be saved unless they call? How are they going to call unless they believe? How are they going to believe unless they hear? How are they going to hear unless somebody tells them? And how's anybody going to tell them unless they they're sent? Somebody sends them, and so this is the progression here. And I want to look at a couple of aspects of this here today. First of all, it is not a given. Let's look right here, hear and believe. It is not a given that just because they hear, they're going to believe. Now, Romans ten seventeen says, so then faith comes by hearing. Faith, faith, believe comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. But that's not a given that it will happen. That is how it will happen. But that is not a given. Because otherwise, if we could just make them hear and they believe, we could auto-save the world. We could hijack all radio waves, television waves, get loudspeakers, bullhorns, drive through every neighborhood, go to hospitals, go to busy airports, go to sports arenas, go to malls. Are you, are you following me? And we could just force them to hear and they would believe and we could auto-save the world. But it does not work that way. I said it does not work that way. And so what has to happen then? When they are told, then what they hear, here's, here's, here's the deal right here. They have to accept as truth what they hear. It's important that they accept as truth what they hear. And that's where you and I do have a part to play. Because what if our life is not congruent with what we say? Then we're giving them some evidence that maybe this isn't real. Maybe this really doesn't have help here on earth. And if it doesn't really help us on earth, then maybe it really doesn't help us to head to heaven. And if we're not really headed to heaven, we don't have some, some kind of peace and assurance toward that, then maybe we're really not connected to a heavenly father. And if all that's true, then, you know, have we really been rescued at all? Is this some emotional crutch? Is this some kind of thing for the mentally weak, you know, to prop themselves up through, through a tough life? Or is there something real about this, even though we couldn't explain it all? And see, what they have to do in order to believe anything, I have to accept what I hear as truth. And this is a case that there be more and more mounting evidence in our life that this salvation is a real deal. Now, let's, let's look a little bit further here. The word tell. Whose part to play is this? Well, seven of you have. Come on. That's yours. That's, that's your role to play. 
And yet, statistics show us that that's the breakdown. This is the gap in this whole process, typically. Because we, we looked at statistics that 95% of Christians have, have never led somebody to Jesus. Only 2% of believers are inviting somebody to church. And so something's happening right here, this gap. This is not happening. Why is this not happening? Is it because the gospel is no good? Is it because this salvation really needs some improvement before we start to tell people about it? This salvation's incredible. Y'all, I said this salvation is incredible. And, and we, only knew, we only know and have tasted of just part of this for our life. So I don't think the problem is with the gospel. I don't think the problem is with salvation. And I hate to tell you this this morning, but the problem just might be with, with you. Now, don't worry, you're going to be extremely encouraged by this morning, but we got to, we got to talk about you. I got to pull you aside for a minute and talk to you a little bit here. And the problem may just be with us. And it, the problem may be this, with this. You ready for this? It's how you view you. The problem typically is how you view you. Studies show, experience tells us that most people think too low of themselves. Now, there are others that think too much of themselves. That's a whole nother series. Those folks don't come 11 o'clock service, okay? Uh, Well, maybe a couple slipped in, but anyway. Uh, The reason we're not telling sometimes, and that's our role, that's our part to play. Why didn't we play our part? You know, if we were working out a play for football or basketball and somebody's not in their position, didn't do what, what the play called for, we, we'd call a timeout, wouldn't we? And say, come on, why, why weren't you in your spot? Why didn't, why didn't you do this? Why didn't you go ahead and do what we, what we practiced? And there's, there's a breakdown somewhere. So we have to look at this. And I just wanna, I want us to look at ourselves here this morning a little bit on how you view you. Because sometimes if you're viewing yourself too low, then no wonder you have some insecurity about things or fear of rejection or, uh, you know, intimidation and that type of thing. So let's go ahead and we're going to look at you. And you say, church, you say, pastor, when we come to church, we shouldn't be talking about ourselves. We should just be talking about Jesus. Why did Jesus come? Who did he come for? Why? To make a difference in your life, to bring you this salvation and, and not just for you, but then through you. So as we look at you, we want to look at what God would do in you. And the first thing that I want us to look at here, number one, and this is going to be really profound, okay? You are you. I'll give you a moment to write that down. (laughs) You are you. That's who you are. And if you try to be me or I try to be you, one of us goes missing. Are you, are you hearing me? And if you try to be somebody else, and we have a whole culture and society and media pushing us to be, you're not good enough, you need to be like this. You need to be this person or, or whatever. There are people that go all, through all kinds of pains to just look like somebody, be like somebody, whatever. And you are you. And this is a question, this is an issue of identity. Identity. Everybody say Identity. And identity is, I believe, the favorite target of the enemy to attack towards you. It's his favorite target to attack. Because 
let me go ahead and tell you that almost all of your issues, well, let me backtrack. How many of you know that you have issues? Okay, let me, let me work that over a little more gently, a little more gentle, okay. Uh, how many of us would admit, yeah, I've got issues? Okay. Now, don't start, you know, with, yeah, but I know others who have worse issues. We're not talking about them. We're, we're talking about who? We're, just you. So how many of you get, yeah, I, I've got some issues. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Okay. Well, the majority of your issues stem from identity issues. What you look like, what you sound like, where you come from, what you have, who you know, uh, uh, color of your skin, how tall, how short, how heavy, how not heavy, uh, where you've been, what you've learned, where you went to, where you've never got to, what happened to your family. You've got all these things that are attached to your identity, your identity. And so most of our issues, most of my issues, most of your issues are somehow tied into identity. And this is a favorite target of the enemy to attack in our life. Think about Jesus when he was led by the spirit into the wilderness, tempted of the devil for, for 40 days. And during that time, do you know what the enemy targeted in order to tempt Jesus? He started, he started out every time this way. If you are the son of God, what was he doing? He was targeting identity. He was targeting identity. And so sometimes we're not content. We're not happy to just be you, the you that God made, the you that God poured good things into, the you that God wired really for some greatness and impact in, in, in this world. You follow me? And then the other issue with you being you is you know you. And so there's the you that other people think they know, and then there's the real you that only you know. Are y'all uncomfortable? One time on Gilligan's Island, what, they had berries? Was it? They had some seeds that they ate, and once they ate the seeds, they could know everybody's thoughts. Aren't you glad such seeds are not available? And do you remember the movie star? What was her name? Ginger. I mean, even though she had to slap all the guys there, you know, on, on the... Why? Because she knew their, she knew their thoughts. Aren't you glad that other people really don't see? Because we don't, we don't open up. We don't let everybody totally see, you know, all that's going on. And you know what those are? Those are some of our issues. Those are some of the things on the inside. And that's where we need to let God more and more work on the inside with the light of his word and with the loving touch of his spirit to work these things out on the inside. But I know me, you know, you. You know the thoughts that you have sometimes where people are thinking you're, you're so kind and patient in the grocery store line and you're, you're actually plotting the death of someone just <laughs> two carts ahead of you. I'll kill you with a bag of carrots, I tell you. I know why you're laughing. And then there's the unrealistic standards that we somehow get in our minds about what you are supposed to be. And we end up comparing ourselves with others. And that's, that's never fair. And that never works out right because they are not the standard comparing ourselves with other people. It's just Paul came to terms with this in 1 Corinthians 15, 10. He says, by the grace of God, I am what I am. By the grace of God, I am what I am. And his great his grace toward me was not in vain. You know what Paul was saying? I am, a, I, I am what I am. I, ha, I, I am who I am. And I am a product of God's grace. 
I don't think it's okay to just stop and say, you know, I'm broken, I'm a mess, and that's it. And what you see is what you get, so deal with it. No, Paul is saying his grace is not in vain in me. His, I, I'm a product of his grace. Wherever I am right now, I'm a product of his grace. And I, I am what I am. I am who I am. It's a liberating thing that I don't have to be anybody. I just have to be me. Ultimately, I just have to be me with God working in my life. Amen. Now, and that brings us to the fact that I don't have to try to be anybody else. It's just authentically be yourself. And let me tell you, let's go back to the previous page here. Uh, When we tell, authenticity is vital to the telling. Because again, if how you are and who you act is different from what you're saying, they're not going to hear what you're saying. So authenticity is huge. A little girl, Martha Taft, was asked to introduce herself in elementary school in Cincinnati, Ohio. She said, my great-grandfather was the president of the United States. My grandfather was a United States senator. My daddy is the ambassador to Ireland. And I am a brownie. (laughs) Don't you love that? Don't you love that? I am who I am. That's who they are. That's who I am. And I think there's great happiness and freedom in that. You just be you, full of God. And then secondly, you are, what, but what, look, you are, you are on a journey. Everybody say, I'm on a journey. John 1.12 says this, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become, to become the children of God to those who believe in his name, to become Now, the word become, as soon as you believe on his name, you become a child of God. But the word also means to begin to be. In the Greek, it means to begin to be. So I'm going to become all that I've just become. I am now a full-fledged child of God, but now I'm in a process. I'm, I'm on a journey of becoming fully what that would be. I'm growing in that salvation. You are on a journey. And this is not about perfection. This is about progress. This is about process. Uh, This is my variation on something you've heard before. I'm not what I'm going to be, but by God's grace, I'm not what I was. Is that your story? I'm, I'm not what I'm going to be, but thank God by his grace, I'm not what I was. And again, this is about progress and process in our life is not about perfection, but perfection. And you and I might not be anywhere close to having it all together, but you're not as broken as you were before. You know, imagine if you had a friend and they had a, a house and that maybe that house had gone through, you know, uh, uh, maybe it's a fixer upper that they had and they invited you over to come see their house and you go over and 
and you notice some things are in disrepair and they say, hey, I want you to come in here. And they said, hey, we had a lot of, we had a lot of water damage in this room. And you know what we did? We, we took up the carpet and we dried that up and, and we put down some wood floors. Doesn't it, doesn't it look up? But yet you notice on the wall, you know, there's watermarks and stuff. Now we still need to tear into the drywall and we need to check the structure back there and we need to paint and all. But, you know, we're just loving our new, our new floor and, and still the rooms have to, hey, and come over here. And they take you into another room and say, you know what we did? We it had this ugly wood. And, and we tore it out and we, and we put in some tile. And we, and we like the fireplace mantle, but we don't like all the stuff on the wall. So we're thinking of doing something with that. And we're going to improve that. And you know what? The house is still in process. But as they, there's progress and they're sharing with you vision, do you know what your comment would be? That is awesome. That's beautiful. And they say, you know what? We're, we're thinking of tearing out this window and putting a little, little arched window there and maybe painting this room a little a little more earth tone color. And you know, as you look at it, you know, they've only got part of it done, but you know what your comment would be? That's awesome. That's beautiful. So I want you to listen to me. Look at me just for a second. If God's at work in your life and you still got some real broken areas and messed up areas, but there's been some stuff and you got some vision for where you're going, the only comment I can come up with is this. That's awesome. That is beautiful. You know, sometimes there's people and they say, I got got a Bible. And you go, you're reading it? No. (laughs) But I I got one now. What do we say about that? That is awesome. That's beautiful, man. I mean, we need to encourage people on. That is a beautiful thing. We're all in this journey. I mean, since when is the standard perfection? That's the goal. And here's the newsflash. We're not going to reach that here on this earth. So it's process. We're on, we're on a journey. Everybody say, I'm on a journey. And, and we're under renovation. We really are. It's like, look, look at this. I, I got this started. I got this fixed. Be like me, you know, carrying one box out of the garage and putting it in trash. Yeah. That's awesome. It's beautiful. No, and I'm, I'm exaggerating, but I'm telling you, for your life, you need to realize if, if God is at work in your life at all, that's awesome. Everybody say, that's awesome. That's beautiful. And we need to encourage one another in those ways because we are on a journey. And you know what? Sometimes modeling recovery is just as important as modeling perfection. I mean, sometimes we watch the Olympics and they got the, I know summer Olympics is coming up, but in winter Olympics, they got the skaters, you know, and they'd flip and they do all the stuff and turn around and it's like, man, that's awesome. And we're after what? We're after perfection. But, you know, we see success modeled and it's like, all right, that's, that's amazing. But sometimes I want to see the really good guy. I want to see him crash. Not for the sake of crashing. I want to see how he recovers. I think it encourages everybody else to know that those that are, that are somewhat successful at something, making something happen that, you know, well, how do you recover too? And sometimes we might on our journey actually trip. We might actually fall in front of some other people. And I, I think the only thing that we model to them should not just be perfection. I think they need to see how we also recover with this help of God. And then thirdly, you... You have a story. Say, I have a story. And it's worth sharing. Alicia and I had not 
had not talked about this at all because I, I pretty much, as I'm studying, it's top secret. It's me and Jesus working on this thing. Well, she shared part of her story this morning. Did you hear that? About riding the bus and going, that's, that's part of her story. And every one of you, you have a story and your story is worth sharing. It's going to resonate with somebody. It's going to connect. It's going to help somebody. And you don't need a sermon. You don't need a sermon. You just need your good news. You just need your good news. Here's my story. In 2 Corinthians 1, verse 3 and 4, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercy and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our tribulation. What's that? It's part of your story. That we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves have been comforted by God. When we have a story, you're going to help somebody else. I said, when we have a story, you're going to help somebody else. Now, I'm going to get real close to you here for a moment. A lot of your story you're not telling. A lot of story you're hiding. A lot of the story the devil is trying to uh, mark it and stick it in the box marks shame. But you need to know that there's some things that you've done and things that you've been a part of and things that have happened to you in your life that are actually a part of your story. And what the devil meant for evil, God can turn for good. Now, hold on, because I'm going to get closer to you. There may be some of you that have been on one end or the other of an abortion. Or maybe you've failed in marriage or several marriages or failed in business or failed morally or failed as a person. Or you've done this, you've done that, you've had addiction issues. Maybe you've, maybe you've been in prison. Maybe, maybe you've, you've really messed something up big time and disappointed some people. And you know what we want to do with that typically? We want to hide that. We want to cover that. And I want you to know it's covered by the blood of Jesus. And it is a scar. But not always is it good to hide our scars. Sometimes it's good to let people see your scar and let them say, what happened with that? And you say, let me tell you what happened with that. And let me tell you how God helped me and God, how, how God healed me. Because here's the, hold, hold on. Because you're not, you're not the only one who did that. You're not the only one who went through that. And there's other people not giving any clue that they did that. They were that. They, they went through that. They're not giving a clue. And maybe because of the progress you've made. I didn't say you had it all together, but you're on a journey. And it's part of your story. And God's at work in your life. And maybe at the right time. I'm not saying that you publish it for everybody. But there might be a right time, a right place with the right person. That you say, sweetheart, I need to tell you part of my story. Buddy, I need to share with you something that happened to me. And then give them the other part of the story. And here's what God did. And here's how God helped me. And here's how God is helping me. Listen to me. Everybody here, you've got a story. You've got a story. And your story is worth telling. And your story is going to touch somebody. And your story is going to help somebody. And again, it's not just to indiscriminately just put your story out. There's a right time. There's a right place. There's a right person. And the Holy Spirit will help you. And that will be a time to share your story. John chapter 9, there was a blind man and he got healed. And then suddenly everybody, he got healed by Jesus. And suddenly everybody's coming to him, ask, asking him everything. And you know what? He said, hey, I just am who I am. I just started on this journey. And this is all I know. Here's the only part of my story I got. I was blind and, and, and now I can see. In Acts chapter 9, Paul, 
the Apostle Paul, wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. I think he's the number two guy in Christianity, Jesus being number one. But Paul, I mean, he, he had the revelation of the church. He, he wrote how we are to live. That's the epistles that you should be reading every, every day in the Bible, the letters in the, in, the, in the New Testament on how we are to live. And Paul had this dramatic story. He was, he was persecuting Christians. He was trying to shut down the church. He was vicious, he was organized, he was brilliant, and he was using it against the purposes of God. And one day on the road to go tear down some more new Christians, Jesus himself, post-resurrection, blocked the road, blinded him with the light of glory. And Paul had a dramatic conversion experience. And at least six times I know of in the rest of Paul's writing, Paul tells his story. He tells his story. He tells his story. You need to know your story. I'm telling you what, if you'll start to just put your story together and listen to me, don't add to it. Don't make up stuff. You don't need to. You just be you on a journey. Tell your story. Your story is worth sharing the story of here's what I was. Here's what's happening in my life. Here's what God did. Here's what God is doing. Here's what God I know will do. And you'll comfort and encourage others with the same comfort and encouragement that you got from God as you went through and continue to go through your journey and your story. Back in January, um, I took my 12-year-old Gabriel to an Orlando Magic basketball game. And uh, just let me insert real quick. I wish basketball was what used to be. Um, You knew... Like today, I can't even tell you who plays for who anymore because we're off season. There's all this trading going, everything. And teams are moving from cities. And so, like, if you're going to go to a city, watch team, call before you get there because they might, they might have, get, you know, they might have moved. But anyway, we went and we just had an awesome time. And it was kind of, you know, close to last minute. I called or I went online, actually, and I got tickets and I got really good seats at a really good price. So we're, like, thrilled. So we're like on seventh row, close to the center of the, of the court. And we're like, oh, should we really be here? You know, and we were, we were loving being there. And this uh, lady usher came over and said, you know, you have access to all this food and everything that's back underneath here. And we're like, awesome. Missed the whole game. <laughs> no, I didn't. No, I didn't. Really, I didn't. But, you know, up in the other seats where we normally would sit, you know, if you wanted popcorn, peanuts or anything, you had to go get it yourself. Or, you know, the guy would be carrying it and he'd holler to you and pass it down and you'd have to, they'd put money inside a a tennis ball that's kind of slit. And you put the money in and you'd throw it to you and throw it back, get your change and so forth. And so we were kind of used to that. Well, all of a sudden we're sitting there and it's probably about third quarter of the game. We're watching the game and all of a sudden this lady says, excuse me, sir, could you pass this down? And I look and it's this big bucket of popcorn. And on the side it says, gourmet popcorn. And it smells so good. And it looks so good. And she says, pass it down to the sky down here. And it's just overflowing. So I passed it, but I shook it a little bit, you know. And... And then she says, excuse me, sir, another one. So it's for, you know, his buddy. So it's like, huh. 
And then she leans down towards those gentlemen. She goes, is there anything else I can get you? And so suddenly, before I even knew what I was doing, I went, uh, I want some popcorn. <laughs> she said, yes, sir, I'll be right back. So she came back and brought me some popcorn. Now, if that had been a greasy bag, stale, burnt, how many of you know burnt popcorn, not good? And would you pass this down? You know, I would have like, you know, just passed it down. But I learned something that night. Think about what we're saying here. I learned something, and it's this. Popcorn sells popcorn. Did you hear that? Popcorn sells popcorn. And it was just so inviting. As it passed by, it's like, I want this. And I didn't know at the time, is this 20 bucks a bucket? I don't know, but... Right now, I don't care. I just want. <laughs> popcorn sells popcorn. Can I, can, I, can I say something to you? Your advertisement for God. Your advertisement for God. And the best advertisement you can be is just be you, full of God. Keep on on your journey. It's not about perfection, but it is about progress. It is about making process. And you've got a story, and the story's not done. The story's unfolding. In the right time, the right place with the right person, your story is to be told. It's worth sharing. And if you will just be you, full of God, continuing on your journey, making progress, sharing your stories, God would make opportunity for that. Do you know what will happen? As you tell somebody, they're going to hear it. And as they hear it, it's going to resonate as being true to them. And now they not only hear, but they'll believe. And if they'll believe, hopefully they'll call upon the name of the Lord. And if they call on the name of the Lord, whosoever calls on the name of the Lord, they'll get this incredible salvation. It's worth having. It's worth finding. It's worth growing in. But folks, it is also worth sharing. Did you get anything at all out of this today?